Hello, welcome to From the Recruit. Uh, my name's John. Uh, with me is uh, Colin. Good afternoon. Uh, Mike is on his way. Uh, DTW is with us as well. Hello. Uh, and we've just come over Kudrow Road where Watford have lost 4-1 against West Ham United. It wasn't the game you'd want in many, many, many ways, Colin, to finish this season, which we are going to celebrate in the second half of this podcast when we talk about the top ten of the season. To celebrate the season, but also get you ready for Wembley, is it? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's an old adage in theatre, which is you have a bad dress rehearsal and you have a good first night. So hopefully that will stand, because this was terrible. We were abject. I mean, if you pick your, if you pick your Wembley eleven, which is what he did, yeah. then you have to send them out with an attitude that they are going to play as if it is the cup final. And they didn't. We let Mark Noble waltz like some sort of... Um, like some sort of uh, off Strictly Come Dancing, just waltz through the midfield and then through the defence and scored. And, the, and, and he runs about as quickly as I do. So that means that's... Wow, he must be really he fast. super fast. <laughs> He's got wheels. But, um, but what it means is that no one was really willing to put a challenge in because they don't want to get yellow card sent off, ironically, and they don't want to get injured. Uh, and so why play those players? If they're not going to play with the attitude that they're playing in a cup final on the last day of the season. OK, you can argue that it's a meaningless, it's a meaningless game. It's worth about four million quid if we'd won it. But that's another, that's another issue. But I, I think maybe he made a mistake. And, and I, I think, well, I don't think he made a mistake, have he? I think he sent out the right players. But I think they made a mistake because they were like, oh, I don't want to get injured. I want to play well, I don't want to get injured. And what, what he should have done was he probably should have played the reserves and said, go on, prove to me that you're going to be on the bench. You're going to be in the 18. Play uh, Gray on his own up front. Get get you know get some of the other players in there. Start with Messina, uh, and, and start with Britos. Put Gomez in goal, and, and give. Why is Gomez not playing? I don't understand that. Why don't you give him a game before the cup final? Why give him another week off? I don't understand that. It's nuts. And what happened was we were we were we were just not on it. There was no intensity, and they just they just waltzed through us. Well, I'm gonna. See if DCW can uh, get something out of this. But I would say that DCW, that, uh, that's exactly how I feel, how Colin is, is expressing himself there. But actually, the, the first half wasn't terrible, apart from we couldn't finish. There was a, it was a lot of positive, it was a lot of attack, it was a lot of Watford. Uh, I, I, I broadly agree with, with what Colin said, but I, I think you're right as well. We did have chances in the first half. And, and it's been very like us of late. We, we, we haven't taken those chances. Same last week against Chelsea. Should have been one or two up by half-time. Didn't take the chances. Same today. When we were in those positions, there was no decisiveness. There was no clinical finishing. There was Pereira squares the ball instead of shooting when Zabaleta falls over in the first half. Delefeo had a few chances where he didn't quite get it out of his feet and get the shot away. And the, the, the final ball wasn't good enough. And... That was, that was the same in the second half as well. But yeah, if, if, you, if you score a goal in the first half and you, you can get up and then you, you, then, you, then you can take some of those players off if you build a lead. And if you're 2-0 up after an hour, then you can take some of those off, bring some on and you recycle and you regain some energy. As it turns out, we kind of did save the energy anyway but because the game was gone by, by, by 70 minutes or whatever. You're 4-1 down. But yeah, but we, although we had chances, and, and we did, and we played well enough... There wasn't that bite, was there? There wasn't that intensity. And I think you're right. I, mean, I, I speak to former players quite a lot in my job. And you, you sometimes wonder, 
do, do players really switch off for a cup when a cup final or a playoff final or a big games on the horizon? And because the, the the manager will say no, Troy Deeney would say no, we're on it. But actually, really, you speak to former players, they will all admit that actually, yeah, it's, it is in the back of your mind. Even if even if it's subconscious, you just drop off a little bit and you just don't put that foot in when otherwise you would do. And and that definitely has an effect, I think. It wasn't in Jose's mind, though, was it? That was the next thing. He was uh, he wasn't letting the uh, another goal go in. Uh, and Jose Holabas uh, got himself uh, sent off. I, I completely missed it. I missed the goal and the red card. <laughs> so I, I had the good fortune of being given a hospitality ticket today. So I was over in the corner um, between the rookery and then the Graham Taylor stand. And I, they, they bring the shutters down when you're in there. So you can't actually see the pitch. I didn't know the players had come back on. And as I was walking out, I thought in good time for the second half, I saw on the screens inside the, the lounge on Sky Sports News Watford 1 West Ham 2 <laughs> I better get a move on and then by the time I got actually out to the stands to see the pitch I just saw Oli Bass walking off <laughs> so I've got no idea what happened in either decision <laughs> but it was it looked um, you know when we are the rookie it looked it didn't look like a red card I know he was the last man well he was the last man out wide though he wasn't coming through the middle he was out wide. I mean, I just think that's not a red card. If it happens on the half, you see it all the time, John. When in big games, in, in Champions League games, uh, a team gets on the break, they, they win the ball, they go on the break, and someone just, uh, you know, absolutely purposefully, purposefully brings a player down on the halfway line. It's always just a yellow card. Why is that not a red card? You did it absolutely on purpose to stop the game. And he goes, and all the pundits go, he took one for the team. They said the yellow for the team. That's what you're supposed to do. But you do it on the edge of your own box, and it's a red card. And actually, he didn't do it purposefully. He didn't bring him down on purpose. It was it was a coming together. It's a defender against an attacker. It should be a yellow card. It's a ridiculous rule. I, I, I think the, the the jeopardy of it and the kind of punishment to the team is too much for, for, for a foul which is really not deliberate. And, and hopefully it will get rescinded because, you know, it's someone with some heart and some common sense at the FA will say, are we really going to rob this 32-year-old bloke of a cup final appearance on the basis of that? No. Come on. It could be 1984 all over again. Well, it could There's be. It's a yeah. problem with like, the left backs making it uh, through to cut finals. They're all nutters, John. Choice. They're all nutters. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of uh, old John, who sits near me, was absolutely angrier than you are at the moment, Colin, uh, when Gerard Delafay was taken off. Why take off the one player who could score you a goal? Why did he? Just rest? I think, yeah, to protect him and to get him off and give Gray some minutes. He brought on Mariapa as well, which is sort of unnecessary. But again, just give him, give him some minutes, get a bit of, bit of game time in his legs. The, the one that just totally perplexes me is Gomez. He's going to play in the cup final. So why, does, why, is, he not, why is he not playing in this game? The, the bloke's played four games this season or six games or something. Why on earth wouldn't you play him? I don't understand that. What's, what's but, but was it, you know, but, so what I want to really think about is looking ahead next week, when Jerry goes off, did we change too much? Or was that Jerry going off, but also the fact that Holobas had gone off? Well, I, 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 uh, I think once you're down to 10 men, it's very hard. The whole sort of in-game tactics thing becomes... It's much, you're never prepared for it, so you, you can't prepare for what you... What do you do? We, 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 we stayed with three at the back, and then Jerry came off, and then, we went, and then Messina came on uh, later, uh, later, and then for Hughes, and then we went to four at the back. But it was all a bit, it was all a bit over by then. I mean, it was, but I think taking Delafay off is probably... Look, you play 60 minutes, that's enough. Come what on. Was that, but then... Even though we were 2-1 down and the red card, we were actually in quite a, a positive place and until it felt like, anyway, he went off. Yeah, that's true. I, I think that's true. But also I think that there was no real appetite to, try, to really 
go the, the extra mile and dig in and get in the trenches and try and get a point because they just think well, I'm not, we're not going to do that. And I think, Javi, if you're watching your players, you're, you're thinking, mm, yeah, this isn't, this isn't going to happen, is it? So then you, then you think, right, what can I do that's beneficial for the club in the week to come? So get some players on the pitch, get some, you know, give them, because I might need them. I might need them next week. You might need Messina to start. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Well, this is the uh, first podcast uh, of our uh, of this week. Uh, hopefully, we're going to do another one. Or we're definitely going to do another one uh, midweek. That's going to be a preview for the uh, for the FA Cup final. Let's just make sure we all remember that we are in an FA Cup final uh, and uh, possibilities of uh, something special towards the end of the week. But this season, in terms of the Premier League, is over. And let's let's let, let's look back at in, 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 at it in a positive way. But let's start with uh, Arlo. Mike's surname is Parkin, his son called Arlo, and this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome, for the penultimate time this season, to Michael Parkinson, Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? Good. You're up nice and early, you're dressed, what are you wearing? What for t-shirt. Makes a very, very nice change that. Now Arlo, it's the last Premier League game of the season against West Ham United. The, the curtain's about to come down on the season. What's been your favourite moment of this Premier League campaign? When we beat Cardiff 5-1. It was good, that. Why, what, what made you enjoy that one so much? He scored so many goals. Always nice, isn't it, to find the back of the net. And that's uh, Gerard Delafeu on fine form that evening, of course. Now, the season's almost done, so can you describe the work, the season that's happened in just one word? How would you describe it? Exciting. Um, That'll do for us as football fans, won't it, mate? Arlo, thanks very much for joining us. Bye. See you at Wembley. So here we go. Let's count down the top 10 of the season for Watford FC 2018-2019. 10! The youth of next year. Queen's game against Cardiff at home and, and even a, an appearance of Peñaranda, the cuddly panda, away at Woking in the FA Cup. Colin, that's the good thing I saw this year was that we saw these young players coming through, but they weren't, we weren't reliant on them. And we can sort of see how these players are developing and should hopefully be coming through. But Queener got the young player of the year. Yeah, and deservedly so. I mean, he played more games than any, any other of those young lads. Played very well at Reading very early in the season in the Carabao Cup. But his game against Cardiff at home, where um, Kapu was suspended and he came in and he just totally bossed that game. And actually, I also really liked him when he came on against QPR when we were 1-0 up and it was a very physical game and he was able to keep the ball. Takore came on as well and the, together they, they kind of killed the game off because they were able to uh, just keep the ball and recycle it, recycle it. And QPR couldn't really get on the ball, even though they had that incredible chance right at the end. And I think this, that this lad is someone, you know, I, I would like to have seen a bit more of him this season. But the Takore kapu uh, combination was so good. For, most, for almost all the season until the last few... Well, they've still been good, even the last few games. As a team, we've slightly switched off. But, so there was no opportunity, really, for Queener to get in there unless you play him you know, ahead of them in a the number 10 role. So he's been the one that's really impressed me. Also, I would say Ben Wilmot of the youngsters has, has uh, in the early part of the season before he went to Udinese, I thought every time he, he played, he just looked very assured, very composed, very good on the ball. And hopefully he might be the answer to our, our centre-back problems going forward in the in the next season or two. But but Domingos Queener is, is a proper player. And let's not forget, he drove to Watford, went into the car park, 
knocked on the door and said, "I'm Domingos Queen. Do you want to sign me? Because West Ham don't want me." And and we signed, and that's and that was his ambition. And and then when he played for us, he showed that ambition again. But he'll say technically, he's extremely, extremely good player. Uh, number ten was the youngsters and our future Hornets. Nine. The back-to-back goals away at Wolverhampton Wanderers at Molyneux uh, with a 2-0 win on the 20th of October. It was, hey, those, was it about a minute and a half, I think, between the two of them? But it came after losing 4-0 at home to Bournemouth. It was such an important win after the massive start we'd had and that setback against Bournemouth. It, it was a massive win and I think it, it, it coincided with a couple of things. It was Delafeo's first game of the season, yeah. I seem to remember, and... Success started up front with him, and at that time, Wolves were really setting a bit of a, a blaze at the start of the season. And they were, they were, you know, they've obviously gone on to have a fantastic season themselves. But everyone was thinking, okay, this team pretty special here. We were the first team to really put them in their place and say, hang on, this Premier League actually a bit more difficult than you think. And and it was, I think it was the quickness of those two goals. The first goal from Kapu, which was sort of caught everyone unaware, through the legs of the defender from about 30 yards out. Keeper just before it was in before he moved, and then straight again got the ball back off them from kickoff, high press. I think Delafeo played it through to, to Pereira, lovely outside of the boot finish, two 0 up. We were in dreamland and we saw the game out. And that, and that that was the time when Pereira was banging him in every week, and obviously he's still gone on to have a. Slightly less um, exciting season in the second half of the season, but uh, that was a that was a big win for us, and I think it gave us belief and confidence that we could go anywhere and we could we could be a, a top team. Eight. Craig Cathcart's blind pass that led to Will Hughes to cross the ball in for Andre Gray to score the winner against Everton uh, and a one 0 win back in February. That game was important for several reasons because mm. it's the Premier League game and it's good to win those. But also a certain snake returning, <laughs> Colin. Yeah. So the snake came back to Vicarage Road and I thought we put on a nice show. It was, it was all over the, the highlights on television later. There was a lady who actually got a, some sort of dress that yeah. had a snake on her arm and then a snake's head. Or something. I don't know, anyway. Everyone went mad. But it was all done in, in it was all done really quite comically. It wasn't it wasn't nasty. But he didn't think it was he didn't think it was comic. He didn't like it. He stood there glowering in his uh, in his pockets. It was it was a tight game. They're a decent side. Uh, they should be with all the money they spent. But um, uh, this uh, so the ball was it was from a corner, funnily enough, from a Hollabass corner and it came out and it sort of bounced around and then Cathcart had his back to goal. And he, he hit this pass sort of over his, kind of round the back of himself with his right foot. And it was just the, the perfect pass. Because obviously a central defender gets the ball outside the box with his back to goal. They think he's going to play it backwards. That's what the opposition would, would assume. Play backwards, recycle with better players, get the midfielders on it. But he doesn't do that. He knows Hughes is there out on the right wing. And he pings it with his, with his right foot straight into him. Absolutely kills the defence. Gray's alert. He comes in at the back post. Beautiful ball in from Hughes. Great scores. 1-0. Night-night snake. Lovely. <laughs> Seven! Gerard Delefeu's hat-trick away at Cardiff in a 5-1 Friday night thriller in February. This is, this is actually one of the lowlights of the season for me. <laughs> right. Why? And because It was 5, David. It's 5-1. I, 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 leave me out. It wasn't right. the Bournemouth game. So in my fantasy Premier League team, I, I've had Gerard Delefeu in there all season. <laughs> but you, you get this option to play a free hit 
and you can change all your players for one week and then, the, then the, your team comes back for the next week. And I, and I just thought, away, away at Cardiff, they're quite good at home, are they going to fancy it on a Friday night? Well, I'll make a load of, I'll take Jerry out for this one. <laughs> I'll, sit, I'll sit him out. And he got three goals and assist, man of the match of 40-odd points or something. <laughs> so, and, and, and that may well cost me the league. I need to look at the final standings today, but I think that may well cost me the league. So for me, it was a low light, but obviously for Watford and for him, actually not for him, not his highlight of the season, obviously that's Wembley, but it, it was another example of what a devastatingly effective player he can be when it goes well for him and when he's on his game and we play to his strengths he can take people on for fun he can finish he's got quality he's got arrogance he's got swagger and Cardiff couldn't handle him this, on that night and, and they couldn't handle us either I mean he, he, he brought everyone else up with him that night as well Dini was knocking it about and they're all scoring all sorts of goals and it was a fantastic night and um you know, if only we, well, he's had a great season, but you, you wish you could see that every week from him, I think, is a thing with Jerry. Six. Back to back headers oh, oh, against Tottenham oh, Hotspur oh. from Deeney and Cathcart in the 69th and the 76th minute, way, way back in oh. September. Only win against top six, Colin, Sucked. but it was such a oh. good day. We've been abject against the top six, abject. We played really well again and again and again, away from home, at home, with 10 men, with 11 men. But we've only had the one victory. In fact, the only game we took any points was against Spurs. But what a delightful moment that was. Because also, if you remember, John, the previous season, Eric Dyer handballed it. Yeah. And, and the referee was already walking down the tunnel and wasn't interested. So <laughs> we would have won that game. But, um, and they were down to 10 men that day. But anyway, however, here we are playing Spurs in the beautiful sunshine. Uh, they go one up and we've been playing well. And then Deeney is just so cute at this, uh, at this free kick. Instead of going with the defenders, I think I spoke about this at the time, the defenders all run towards the goal. Of course they do, That's that, because they know that the attackers are going to come in on to try to get on the six-yard line to get there. And he just sits, he just waits, he lets them go, and the ball is perfect to him, and he gets his nut on it, his big, big old nut. He goes in, and then you think, OK, one all, that's great. But then, what was it, ten minutes later, or eight minutes later, uh, Cathcart, seemingly out of nowhere just appears and, and the ball's in the back of the net before anyone has it and he's going oh I've scored <laughs> and there was a fantastic celebration the whole team really seemed to come together in that moment uh, it was just lovely to see all those, those Spurs players all sort of miserable and wandering off and yeah so it was, it was definitely a high point for me that. that's my uh, favourite game of the season actually um, I, I was, as, as you know I wasn't at Wembley so I'm not going to count that one in terms of the games I've been, in, been here in person for and I know I said earlier on about Wolves giving us a bit of belief, but actually beating that team, beating Spurs, a top six team, at the start of the season, when we, was, we were going into this season, let's be honest, we, we, it may seem strange to say this now, but we, we went into this season with a bit of uncertainty. We weren't, we weren't sure how well we were going to do. Some of us on this podcast were thinking, oh, we could be in a bit of trouble here. Uh, and we came flying out of the blocks early season, and that win against Spurs really just confirmed to us that we, we shouldn't have any worries actually we've got we've got a good thing going here and, and we went on from that and hello, hello Mike <laughs> all right yeah Way, we're going to Wembley etc 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 and the thing about that Tottenham game I was like DCW we missed the, we missed the big games together mate don't we I was in Ibiza for that one New York for the semi-final you know how it is um, <laughs> but that was our fourth win out of four at the start of the season which was absolutely incredible and and like uh, like Dave rightly said it sort of it was just a great start for us, wasn't it? But what the amazing thing about that start was the the amount of attention we got was extraordinary. It just sort of snowballed, didn't it? There was we were seeing little segments from there was one notable one in the the American American yeah, yeah. TV, wasn't it? But 
that was amazing. That was really enjoyable. And a few people sort of felt a little bit uncomfortable with it. Well, I was like, this is absolutely brilliant. And, and I really reveled in that. And I think that was the stage where we thought, could this be the season where we get, you know, we have that memorable season? And so it's still a long way away now, doesn't it? We're at the end of the season. We've played all our league games. But we won our first four league games, which was, which was a brilliant, brilliant start. And I think as we, as we look back, we need to remember that. We need to remember that. You're listening to From the Rookery End. We'll be on the top five in a minute, uh, but we've got a little bit of uh, th- something. Again, we, we love this club and, and everything it does on the pitch, but off the pitch, there's some fantastic things. And uh, our Jason's uh, little nephew took part in a Watford uh, FC Trust project, uh, and Jason had a chat to him, Joseph, as well as his mum. Thank you, John. So I'm here with my younger sister, Kerry. Hi. And my nephew, Joseph. Hi. And we're going to talk about the empowerment groups that the Watford FC Community Sports and Education Trust ran recently. Joseph, you've been to a few of these sessions, but we're going to ask your mum first. How, how did you become aware of, uh, of the trust and the sessions that were going on? So the first I knew about Watford Trust coming into Joseph's school was when his teacher spoke to me beforehand. Uh, Joseph is autistic, he suffers from anxiety and he has some OCD behaviours and they didn't want him to feel like any of the sessions were directly aimed at him in any way. just wanted him to be prepared and not feel agitated when the sessions were taking part. So I guess it just gave us a heads up so we could chat with him at home beforehand because Watford Trust were coming in to work with all Year 6 children to make them aware of all different kinds of aspects of mental health, to teach them coping mechanisms to help them, and it was a way of showing them that it was okay to struggle and that most of us will on some level at some point in our lives. And what sort of things did they do in that session at school with you, Joseph? Um, They would usually start off with a headline and then play a game to sort of represent on how that feels. For example, resilience, they did levels for rock, paper, scissors, and you'd face someone on each level, and if you lost, you went back to the start, and it was all about carrying on, no matter how many times you get sent back to the start. Was that a little bit competitive then? Yes. And then what happened after that, after the school sessions, what happened next? Um, Joseph's teacher approached me and showed me a leaflet about some empowerment sessions, which was what the Watford Trust were doing after school. Um, And they were on a Friday evening, said they thought it'd be really useful for Joseph. Um, Contacted them by email and he got a place on the course. So what sort of things did you do at um, at those sessions? They'd speak about different stuff at the start, so um, different emotions and what kind of music you'd listen to or choosing different people that have something bad about them. So that must have been a bit a bit strange. It's somewhere new for you to go to. So how did you feel sort of ahead of going to the um, the first session that you went to? I felt that I wasn't going to make many friends, but when I saw Harry and he knew a few people there, he um, helped me bring a group together and we started playing nicely together. And as well as the sessions, you've got to go to a, a, a few other things. You got tickets to the Everton game where you both went together. What did you make of the game, Joseph? I thought it was a good game. And obviously pleased that Watford won. Oh um, yes. And what did you do beforehand before the game? Something they, they they set up a special event before the match. Yeah, so they did two activities, and we were allowed to choose which activity we want. One was dancing, and the other one was football and boxing and skipping. I remember. And I chose football, boxing and skipping. 
And that's not the only uh, special event that the, the group have organised. I was w- eating my cornflakes the other day, watching the Sunday morning repeat a match of the day, and your face appeared on my telly. What, what was that all about? They came in to film part of the empowerment group. Adrian Marieppa joined us, and we played dodgeball, football, and a few other activities. Excellent. How did Adrian Marieppa get on? Was he any good at dodgeball? Yes. And football, was he okay at football? Yeah. And I believe he um, he said something to you about uh, about your football skills? Uh, being a good goalkeeper. And I think the empowerment groups have now finished, haven't they, Joseph? So uh, what happens now? Is there anything else you, you're going to be doing with the trust? I've been hoping to do little kicks. And do you know what that is, little kicks? A football-only um, after-school club, in a way. Now, of course, uh, Watford recently got through to the FA Cup final. So one more question from me for you two. Are Watford going to win the FA Cup? Of course. Yes. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Kerry. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Come on, you Orns. So, Mike, about to head in the top five. Uh, and you went here earlier on. Colin was quite negative, but just getting out of system. It was cathartic. Um, is there anything you want to get out before we go really positive about the top ten, top five things of this season? I think it was a very, 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 very disappointing afternoon. Um, I think the... The end of the season has been frustrating. I think after the semi-final, um, it feels like performances have dipped. It feels like things haven't gone our way. Um, and it's been quite hard to watch, to be honest, I think, for the last um, last couple of games. It feels, feels like, to a degree, we've let it slip through our fingers. We mentioned that first four um, games of the, the season we won. Um, and could this be a special season? And it felt like we were within... We had a really, really special season. It still could be, of course, one within our grasp. But it feels a little bit like it's it's it, it's tailed off, and that that's frustrating. But I've said it time and time again on this podcast. What we're looking for when I, when I get asked by anyone outside, you know, by the radio, whatever, I say what we're looking for at this football club is incremental improvement to get better bit by bit. And so I'm not going to veer away from that. This season has been a lot better than the previous ones it's our best season in the in the Premier League it's been the best of the four since we've we've returned and that is something to be celebrated I'm really disappointed really quite upset after after the game today for a whole host of reasons which I'm sure Colin has covered a lot more eloquently than I could or would um, I'm so glad we didn't record this in like the about the 60th minute yeah well it's just after after the red card was just you know the air was was, was just sucked out of the place wasn't it and then uh, Watford almost rallied a little bit then the third goal went in it's just I don't, it, this afternoon couldn't have gone any worse. Let's, let's not beat around the bush. But I think we're in the business of looking back. We need to be sensible. There's no point throwing the baby out of the bathwater. As a whole, you know, in two years or when the, the season comes around next year, we're not going to be thinking, oh, we finished 11th instead of 10th. What a disaster. I think we'd be foolish as football supporters who want the best for our football club. We want to enjoy it, not to think that things haven't gone well, not to sort of identify that things just haven't gone well since the, since the FA Cup semi-final. A whole host of reasons for that. I think the the squad is, looks a bit a bit thin. I think the difference between Watford and let's take Wolves as the example because I think they've ended up where we wanted to end up in seventh. They've got more players who can make a difference on a regular basis. I think we we've, we've got Pereira, brilliant at the start of the season. We've got Delafeu who's drifted in and out, but been he's contributed a lot. Dean, you know, we've got some players who can really really turn a game. If we don't get anything from those guys. We're, we're not at the races. We're not good enough to, to challenge in that top half of the, of the division. I think that's what this last four or five games has, 
has shown us. If you if you don't get optimum performances from the guys you need it from, we're, we're not close enough. I think we said on the WhatsApp group the squad isn't deep enough. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think this is still a terrific football squad and I think there's a lot of talent there. We are a few key players away though. I think in front of goal throughout the season we've been pretty profligate and I think that was in evidence again today where you had much, much the better exchanges. Um, we had a ball, we were pinging the ball around in front of the West Ham, in front of the West Ham penalty area. We didn't do anything with it. Flicks, moves, get your shot off, test a goalie and it, that's been the story. So we're not there yet as a football club but, 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 looking back I think we can be pretty content with what we've seen as football supporters, as Watford supporters. We've had ups, we've had downs. But this has been entertaining. They've kept us. They've kept us alert. They've kept us happy for the most part. Yeah, I think it was a bit disappointing to see how many people walked off and didn't didn't give them the didn't give them a round of applause mm. at the end. They left remarkably early before the ninety minutes. Yeah, I mean, I get that people are ticked off because of the nature of the defeat, and people will be upset about the red and so on and so forth. But I think you do have a responsibility as a football supporter to be to be realistic. Not only has this been a decent season, there's next week as well. So let's show a bit of unity as we lead up. You know, tomorrow is FA Cup final weekend and we're in the conversation. Everyone, virtually every other club in, the, in Europe, their season's done. Not ours. It starts again. You know, we've got a week building up, one hit. And I'd have liked to have seen a few more people hang around and, uh, and really give them the send-off that I, that I think they deserve this year. So I'm not going to lie, really, really annoyed. I've had the chance to blow off steam with some other people before <laughs> I stepped in front of the mic, um, which I think was, was necessary. Anyone who sees their team lose 4-1 at home is, is going, to be, going to be frustrated. So, yeah, struggle to take too many positives from that, apart from the fact it's FA Cup final week. Here we go. Bring it on. I think it's important to say that also, out of 26 games against the other 13 clubs, if you take out the top six, we've lost five. Five out of 26, mm-hmm. which is a massive improvement, and it shows a bit of consistency. It's unfortunate we lost today. It's unfortunate we lost the Wolves here. Otherwise, it would have been three losses out of 26, which would have been incredible. Leicester away, Newcastle away, that was the one that really hurt a little bit because we were way better than them and we should have won that game. But, yeah, we, we, we've, what we've done is we've moved to a point where we can be consistent against the rest of the league. And now what we need to do is, is to improve our finishing and we need to uh, improve our performances against top six sides where we, we still feel like we're playing a little bit like we're a little bit lucky to still be there and we don't play with that real belief that we can win in the way that Wolves have. And, and, and they've had great results against the top six sides. They've also had some terrible results against mm. bottom six sides. <laughs> but, um, but our consistency is, is something that we should be pleased with because it's, it, it shows that we are moving in the right direction. But let's get back to from the weekend, top five of the 18-19 season. Five! I'm not saying this is a positive, number five, DCW, but the fact that and it was almost like the, the outcry and, and, and the effect of Z cars not being used as the walk-on music for the last four home games. You, you only got to, to witness it uh, in person today for the first time. Yeah, and, I, and I, I wasn't happy with it, as I haven't been for the last few weeks, as I've, I've, I've relentlessly told you lot on the WhatsApp group. But I just I don't, I don't get it. I don't know whether there's any other reasons, whether it's a thing with Elton, with the film, or, or maybe, look, maybe they just decided that, that they wanted to change things, and that's what people do sometimes. But Zed Cars, to me, when I hear that song, when I hear that, that, those notes, it brings me back to standing in the East Stand for the first time I ever saw us play in 1996 against Blackburn in the Coca-Cola Cup and every almost every other game at Vicarage Road since and it, 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 it's, it's the sound when I, even when I hear Everton 
I'm a bit like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> like, uh, you know, it just it, it, it's, it triggers something in you, and I, it just resonates with me, and I think it does with a lot of other people. And uh, you know, Elton John's a great man and a great musician, and I'm still sounding a fine song, but it doesn't do it for me when they're walking out the tunnel, and I don't know why it's in the top five. What's in the top five is actually that passion, that outcry. Uh, and it was such a significant moment, I suppose, in this season. It makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense on any level. You need, you need a 40-second burst of something which gets the crowd going, and Zed Cars has provided that for 40 years. A little bit of I'm Still Standing, which nobody sings along with, doesn't do the same thing. It, you should have Zed Cars as they come out, and then once they're all shaking hands, which is what I have to say is one of the things about the Premier League drives me mad. It's like every game's a cup final. Then why do they have to shake hands? I can't just go and play football. Anyway, that's another story. But the point is, once they've come out to Zed Cars, then if you want to play, probably your song which let's face it the lyrics of which are written on one of the stands then then that's fine then people might get behind that but as they come out what they want to do is stand and clap and sing you warns and you do that to zed cars and it's got to be they've got to change their mind they've got to what i, what I will say is that, that it has no bearing on the performance it absolutely doesn't we, we as football fans are completely stark raving mad and we will connect <laughs> any moment of activity to something on the pitch if i hadn't lifted my left leg at that time would jose holabas have done that who knows it's got nothing to do with the performances on the pitch but but I don't I just don't I don't get it personally and, and you know it's easy for us to be uh, down on it because we've had poor performances um, since the change but it, yeah why why change I think we know we know I think Elton John has, has made it clear to the club that he when how serious he was when when he, I don't think he wrote a memo to Watford Football Club saying you must come out to one of our uh, my songs but I think it was definitely um, his let it be known that he would prefer it if Watford came out to one of his songs I think with it, a movie coming out. Well, I, I think that's. I, I don't know. I don't I know, but I. Well, yeah. But, but what I want, what I do know, is that Elton John's probably quite a difficult, difficult. We're all going to watch it anyway. <laughs> it, would, it makes no sense for it to be linked to that, really, does it? Elton John is, is, I assume, and you know, I haven't been out with Elton for a little while now, but um, <laughs> I assume he's a difficult man to, to say no to. So I think if he suggests that, that perhaps it might be an idea for you to come out at, at your football club, whoever makes the decision, whether that's Scott or, or Gina, whoever at Watford, you know. If Elton John tells you to do something, I, th- I guess you're probably going to do it. So that's that's I can see where they're coming from, and I understand that that the resistance to change and cl- clubs should be looking to try things out. But for me, doesn't make sense at all for all the reasons that we've discussed before. It means the start of the game for me. It means 2:55. It means Watford Football Club. Um, I'm disappointed, and I don't and I don't get it. Well, I'm sure it will be a, a bit of a discussion uh, behind the doors of uh, Vicarage Road uh, in the coming weeks for the new season starts. But let's move on. Oh. Us, as from the Recrain, winning the oh. Football, Supporter, Football Supporters Federation Club Podcast of the Year. It's a bit self-indulgent, this one, Michael. But, uh, uh, oh, yeah, how is the trophy? It's uh, being mended, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, with a jeweller friend of mine after, uh, well, I think he sent it on to someone else actually, but it fell out of the boot of my car. So it's got a few oh, little. For goodness sake, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. So it's got a few little. Um, it's, instead, it's well loved. That's how I'm going to describe it now. But yeah, I mean, look, it was, um, and this was another uh, high point of the uh, of the uh, of the year that I missed. I'm, I'm going to stop basically coming to things, and I think you're everything not, will be all right. Coming, you're not coming on Saturday, are you? Not anymore. No, no, no. I'm going to watch um, Brookside or something. Is that still on? Brookside. Where did I, I can find from? you a rerun on some channel. Jesus. Um, but hey, look, I mean, what a what a genuine honour, and I was. Um, it was extraordinary to be get recognition from you know quite established awards and. Um, for the judges and we're up against some stiff competition but ultimately to 
get something like that for doing something like this, which we love. It's it's an absolute joy to do it. I've made so many really really close friends through it. It's, you know, we've just done our ninth year, our ninth yeah. season of doing the podcast, and it's and it's gone in in the blink of an eye. And I feel genuinely grateful, genuinely touched by the whole experience. Um, so you guys standing here today, all the people that we've met along the way. Sometimes you need reminding what football's all about and why we do it. And the podcast has provided us with a perfect vehicle for regular reminders for that. I, uh, I remember this thing when he opened the envelope and he said, and the winner of Club Podcast of the Year, oh, one of the good ones yeah. from the rookery end. <laughs> so that was Connor McMara. McMara, one of the good ones. And I think it's also, it's also a good excuse to say, well, what, what an incredible array of topics that we've had to talk about in that nine years. We've had ups, we've had downs, and... It just reminds we as Watford supporters, we say it a lot how lucky we are to support a club like Watford. A because they've delivered so much sort of to talk about, whether it's the, the craziness of going almost going into administration, um, you know, the cup semi-final, the playoff final, the playoff semi-final, all the stuff that we've seen for a little. You know, we are little old Watford in terms of the size of the club and the size of the town. It is little old Watford compared to other teams. So for us to have this is is just amazing and. Um, also, I think it have, we have to say, you know, credit to the to the football club themselves, who have helped us get it off the ground. They've given us access to access to players. We've been to the training ground. We've spoken to almost anyone that we could ever wish to. So, everything about this podcasting experience has been nothing short of extraordinary. I've loved every single minute of it, and to get that award, which I then dropped, pretty <laughs> pretty Watfordy, pretty Mike Parkeny, that um, it was incredibly incredibly special and I think it's, we have to say thank you to everyone that listens week in week out the amount of people that come and shake our hands and say thank you and well done and keep it up people who do that I don't think they know how much it means it's uh, it's good and I have to say because John would never say this the amount of, of hard work that goes into getting it out there every week we are an absolute rabble and John has to whip us into shape get us talking sense get us thinking about it properly then he has to go away and edit it so so John deserves an extraordinary amount of credit um, for getting the podcast out there I'm sure you guys know that already but he would never say that himself but it needs to be noted that, that John is a driving his idea he drives it without uh, without John there's no from the rookery end so I think on behalf of uh, everyone it's uh, well done John and thank you it saved you about nine years worth of therapy bills as well let me Mike next year is our testimonial year uh, and we're going to hopefully try and do some uh, special things to, uh, to mark that ten years of doing uh, from the recurrent uh, but that's for next year three is Ben Foster making a, a save at nil-nil at home to Crystal Palace back in August we went on to win 2-1 uh, it was our third one of that opening, but I suppose I, I, I picked one save. But Ben coming in, he was the players' player of the season, DCW. Uh, he was, I suppose, looking at last year's squad, the, the, the sort of the at least initial step up that we we needed. Absolutely, he's had a fantastic season, and even today, he's conceded four goals today, but two of them he actually made brilliant saves in the process of, and unfortunately, both times they. The rebounds fell straight to a West Ham player with an open goal in front of them. Um, he, he's he been fantastic. I remember that game against Crystal Palace. I was there for that game. And yeah, he did. They, we were looking a bit dodgy early doors against Palace that day. And, and he made a few real guilt-edge guilt saves. And he's done that time and time again. 
as that last line of defence, when, when our centre-backs have frequently let us down, <laughs> he's been there to clean up and to sweep up and to make inspiring saves. And, and that's what he did when he was there before for us. And when he signed in the summer, I was so happy to see him back because I have those vivid memories of his presence. He's such a big, dominating presence at the back and he, and he's, and he is much, much better, more mature player now than he was 10, 12 years ago, whenever it was when he was with us before. And he, he well deserves his players' player of the season. Um, and it's strange to think that he's not going to be playing next week in what is our biggest game in 35 years. Um, but he himself has said, if, if picked, I wouldn't play. It's Gomez's honour, so fair enough. He's Not only is he a brilliant goalkeeper, I think anyone you speak to who knows him or anyone who works at the club will tell you that he's a brilliant man. And I was actually there at the training ground on, on Wednesday doing some interviews ahead of the cup final for TalkSport. And you get to see the players in a natural environment there and how they interact with each other and, and the staff. And, and Foster was, was, was one who... He came when he was leaving after training. He sort of went into the canteen and sort of said hello to everyone, said goodbye to everyone, not just the players, all the staff, all the people, media people that were milling around. He's clearly a good bloke who's loving his football. He's loving being at Watford and hopefully we're going to get another few good years out of him yet. Yeah, it, I think his attitude is something that, that shone through, even in the, the difficult last couple of weeks. He's always had a smile on his face, and I think the initial reaction is, like, oh, come on, Ben, don't be grumpy like the rest of us. But actually, <laughs> that's exactly the right way to be. He's, he's professional, and as, as Dave just described, there, the way he is around the, around the football club is vitally important. We need characters like that if, if a project like Watford's going to work. You've got Javi at the helm, you've got Troy doing his captainy bit, but you also need people like... Um, like Ben Foster to do that and I think you know the great start we had was built on foundations like Ben Foster without without players like him you just don't get that you need something you need the glue that's going to knit these what still is a fairly you know a disparate group of players they've been pulled from all corners of the globe with with various bits of um, experience and hopes for the future and and so on and so forth Ben Foster is it's not just between the sticks where he's felt made his presence known this this year but but I think in the entire throughout the entire club so you kind of work on the basis it was going to be a good signing, didn't you? You felt comfortable with him. We said that at the start. But I think he's probably, looking back on it, I think he's exceeded even my expectation. I think it was, you would say it was a no-brainer, but I don't think it is. You need to get these deals done. You need to be professional. And I think it's it's proved to be another masterstoke by, uh, by Gino. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get another decent year out of him next year. Two! Etienne Capu clearing off the line against Wolverhampton Wanderers. And again, I suppose, like Ben, I, I picked one save. There I'm picking one moment. No, no. I could have easily picked him uh, laying on the floor so uh, Mariapa could kick the ball over him at Wembley in the semi-final. Yeah, that was amazing. But I suppose why I picked that moment above that one is because it showed I'm going to keep going to the end until the last possible moment uh. to save a goal. And that's what his season has been. C'est merveilleux. <laughs> Monsieur Capu. <laughs> He's been, uh, he's been a changed man. And uh, I guess you have to put most of that down to Javi because he's played under a lot of coaches. You know, he was very, very good at Toulouse. He got the big move to a, you know, to a top four, top five side in, in, in the Premier League. It didn't work out for him there. I suspect he's maybe better in a smaller environment. But even here in the first few seasons, particularly the one under Mazzari and then the one under Marco, he wasn't really putting in that, that kind of effort. He wasn't showing that kind of leadership. And uh, Javi obviously got hold of him. And, and actually, we saw the genesis of this at the end of last season because Javi clearly got in his ear and said, I need you. You know, I need you. You're my best player. 
you're my best midfielder. You know, I need you to really work much harder than you are working. You need to get fitter and you need to work harder. And uh, we've seen that all season long. And, you know, we, we laughed at the beginning of the season about, oh, well, it's still sunny and we'll see where he is in, in January. But actually, he's been... He's been, he's just one player of the year. So, uh, and the, and that's absolutely deserved because he's been the most consistent player. And he, he on his day, I mean, he is he is a top four midfielder. His 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 passing, his interceptions. He hasn't scored many goals this season, and that's because his job has been to, to be a bit more deep lying and not to get forward so much. But um, yeah, that clearance epitomises really the new Etienne Capou that he got back, saw the, the danger, did a sort of bicycle kick to get it off the line. And saved us from going one behind. Uh, didn't didn't affect the result in the long term, but you know I just think that his attitude's been spot on. He's really been a, he's been a proper leader, and 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 you can see the opposition uh, teams are, are are nervous about him. They know his quality. They can see those massive, those brilliant crossfield passes that he hits, and and he still kept his kind of slightly languid style. But you can still you can see the energy and the desire and the ambition and his response to me. I mean that that, that clearance was amazing. But the response on the final whistle uh, at Wembley in the semi-final, his his response to that moment, the emotion was Pochettino-esque. You know, there was tears, there was bashing of the badge, there was shouting at the fans, and I, I just thought, yeah, you're, you're for me now. You're, you know, let's let's keep this going because he's only 32. He's got he's got a good few seasons left, and if he stays at this level, and I think the good thing is that no one's going to buy him. No, no bigger clubs are going to come and buy him because he's because of his age. So we've got him now, and I, and I just hope that we can really see him kick on and, and really lead the club because he's been brilliant. I've, I've been critical of Etienne Capu, as people who listen to the, the podcast yeah, will know. And I've said again, I said, you know, we want consistency from the team, and what we've had this year from from Capu is that absolute consistency, and he has struck fear into 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 opposition players. So, but apart from that, he feels like one of us now. He feels like one of us, as Colin just alluded to there. The, the, scenes at, the scenes at Wembley at the end were magnificent and I loved seeing Etienne Capu do that because like, you've got you now, you're one of us, you're here, you've arrived and it felt like there's that, this, the, the connection between Capu and Vicarage Road. We're standing outside it now. I think he views it as home and we've talked about, we've talked about Ben Foster and how important he is off the pitch. I hope, you know... That's the way they should sell this, this to Etienne Capu to keep him here, keep him motivated. We need you as one of the big pillars, one of the founding fathers of, of next, year's, next year's Watford squad. He's got a lot to do. Um, he can have a huge impact on this club. He's still got plenty in the tank. He gives absolutely everything. I love the fact he's flat on his back at the end of every game. He gives everything. Um, and this season he's been, he's been monstrous. He's been brilliant. And I, I wanted to interject there because I've been critical. I've said we don't get enough out of him. This year he's... Um, he, he's tackled me good and proper um, dispossessed me and then pinged the ball 60 yards in the other direction he's done me absolutely delighted to have him uh, in a Watford shirt well done Caps and one as we were stood in the terraces at Woking from the terraces of the Woking fans someone held aloft a cardboard FA Cup covered in tin foil which just sums up the FA Cup for me. And that's what I loved on that day. The fact that we, we had this great non-league team away day in this classic stadium. And that was the moment that I sort of wanted for the rest from that game onwards. The FA Cup run for me, that's what that sort of thing sums it up. The homemade tin four cup. It has been, and it's not over yet, Colin, uh, a great run, this FA Cup run. And uh, whatever happens in terms of a result, 
Uh, it is going to end with a wonderful day next Saturday for us as Watford fans. I kind of had a feeling all the way along that we were going to have a long cup run, and we talked about it on the podcast. We just kind of kind of had it in our in our in our guts that we were going to do. We played so well against Woking, really, and it's not easy. And it also tied in rather beautifully with the winning the the club podcast of the year yeah. because that was the night that uh, Martin Tyler won commentator of the year, I think, and we were able to have a chat with him because he's the deputy assistant coach or whatever he is. And so it was all kind of it was kind of a beautiful thing, and, and we just played really well, and we then we got. Absolute pelters from the media uh, in the Newcastle game for making 11 changes. It's a disgrace. It's disgusting. Watford don't respect the cup. We beat them 2 0 at Cancer. That was a tough, tough tough game. And they were very physical, and it was a Friday night. It was on the telly, and we proved that we can battle and fight and and win that physical battle. We got quite a fortunate goal. And then we went to Palace at home, which is a terribly hard game because you know how good they are. You know they've got really good players, and it's at home, and we're in the yellow and black for the first time in the cup run. And we're through, and then, and then, you know, the epic semi-final. So it has been an incredible thing, and it started with a, with some kid with a tin foil FA Cup <laughs> out on the on the, on a terrace, yeah. on a terrace. And then we've got a fantastic final to look forward to, which uh, I don't think maybe none of us really thought we would get that far, but. It's uh, it's been a hell of a run, hasn't it? And it's not over yet. And we've gone full circle because we've got, we started with romance at, at Woking away in the third round, which is a lot of people's favourite day in the football calendar. And we've gone back to romance as well. And like, look, you know, we're facing Man City. Not many people are going to give Watford a chance. And I've seen a few people on, on, on Watford Twitter saying they can't enjoy it unless unless we win. And I am completely the opposite to that. I'm sort of old enough now and experienced enough to know that football transcends just what happens on the pitch that isn't what it's about that it just isn't it's about what you get out of it as football supporters and if you can't go to an FA Cup final as a Watford supporter and cherish not just the day but cherish looking forward to it you know I've got goosebumps thinking that we're now in FA Cup final week all eyes will be on Wembley you know Champions League have had their had their day in the sun, and I thought, oh God, envious of those guys making their planning their trips to Madrid, planning their crazy trips to Baku, and then it dawned on me, Christ, mate, <laughs> Watford are in the FA Cup final. You're you've got that, you've got that final, you've got that thing that you're, you're not as far, <laughs> yeah, closer. Although with the tube strike, it could be it could be more difficult than than getting to Madrid. We've walked there before, Mike. I reckon give us about four hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, I'll be there with you know. I spoke earlier about how much the podcast means and how much you guys mean to me. My family's going to be there. Your guys' family's going to be there. We're going to meet early, have breakfast. We'll meet up. We'll have a few beers. It doesn't get any better than that. What your team in the spotlight? A good excuse to get together. The the most famous match in the world, the FA Cup final. The most famous match, bar none, I don't care what anyone says, the FA Cup final and Watford are in it for only the second time in their history um, and we're going to be a part of it. I, I cannot wait. I'm so incredibly proud of Watford for getting there um, and I'm, I'm just so excited. And, and when, I'm not going to lie, when the tickets arrived and I took them out, I had a little moment. I thought, Christ, I'm going to lose it here. I'm going to have a little tear at getting FA Cup final tickets through the... Oh it's, but you dream of it. You, it's, it's a bit of a cliche. You do dream of these things and I think things happen so quickly there's so much going on in football and sport there's so much to look at there's so much to to drink in so much to read so much to to watch you have to slow down and appreciate what's happening sometimes this time next week the FA Cup final will be done and dusted we'll have lost it we'll have won it whatever so we'll we need to be playing off. this time next week won't we uh, unless extra time oh, goes yeah, on today, isn't it? yeah, <laughs> yeah we're now on our 24th hour of extra time um, um, so I think we need the to the rock paper scissors out yeah. we've done penalties <laughs> Take it, take some time. 
take some time and enjoy what this week and what what Saturday means, um, and and just make the most of it. It's a, it's got whatever happens, it'll be a fabulous um, full stop to to this season, which it's, it's delivered what we wanted it to at the start of the season. If you'd have told us the ups and downs, the points tally that we'd be in with a chance of Europe with 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 a couple of weeks to go, that we're vying for seventh place and we'd end up in the FA Cup final with some. Really, really good performances from some really, really good players. The sun is is shining down on us outside Vicarage Road. Now it feels like it feels like the sun's been shining all season, really, for me. There's been some duds, of course there has, but this has been a a sun, a sunny, fun-filled Watford Football Club season, and I'm I'm glad it's over in some ways. <laughs> Can't wait for Saturday, but it's been brilliant. Well done, Watford. Well done, Javi. Well done, everyone. One thing I was going to say is. We might win the FA Cup, guys. We might do it. Look, look at the look at the games that we've seen this week. Liverpool were were needed to, to beat Barcelona by a minimum four nil. <laughs> Barcelona, a team that had the best player ever potentially playing exceptionally well this season in them, and what do they do? They beat them four nil. Spurs were dead and buried at half time against an Ajax team full of fantastic, exciting young players. And they came back, even after they missed all their chances, in the 97th minute to win it. And it's happened in the past. Wigan, a few years ago, beat Manchester City. Mm. Uh, They were maybe further away from that Manchester City team than we are this Manchester City team. This Man City team is better than that one, but we're better than Wigan were then. It's one game of football. Mm. We were dead and buried against Wolves. We thought we were out of it. We we should, on paper, lose to this Man City team because they're brilliant. They've just won the Premier League this afternoon in one of the most titanic title battles you'll ever see. They've, they've won the league and Liverpool have got 94 points or something, seven, seven. 97 points, and they've still beaten them. That's an amazing effort. And they're a brilliant team. I saw Vincent Company the other day smash one in from 35 yards in person. and It, it was an incredible moment. But there might just be one more incredible moment for us. And we might win the FA Cup, so we've got to believe. <laughs> we'll be doing a podcast, amazingly, uh, about that day, which is next Saturday. But we'll do another podcast during the week, uh, out Wednesday, a special preview that we're going to record uh, to, to look forward to that game more specifically. Uh, but also uh, on Tuesday, uh, do get your, your podcasting apps out. Uh, and there's a, a special FA Cup Hornet Heaven uh, on the way, uh, as well as a few more uh, different things, depending on what happens. Uh, towards the end of the week but do, uh, do, do tell your friends we always, always ask uh, but we have got a, uh, a, a series of podcasts coming out this week uh, with Watford and uh, trip to Wembley to play in the FA Cup final thank you much Colin thank you very much thank you DCW thank you and thank you Michael hey no worries uh, and thank you very much for, for listening and thank you to everyone who bought a t-shirt they're all in the post they're in the post my wife did some fantastic folding uh, they're on their way and hopefully we'll see some of those at Wembley next week Come on, you all!